All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. America, happy Thursday. We've got a really great show for you, too. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about the Pentagon leak, how serious it is, how concerning it was that such highly classified documents were in a circle of people who could leak them on a gaming channel, on a social board. Well, today, we're beginning to get some information that the key suspect, the suspect that the FBI and the Pentagon are zeroing in on, well, He's a Massachusetts National Guardsman who works in the intelligence field for the Massachusetts National Guard. Again, not been convicted, not been accused, not even been charged and arrested, but he is the person that authorities are looking for to talk to. The idea that a National Guardsman in Massachusetts could get access to the title of documents that were leaked out is going to raise a lot of concerns to a lot of people in the next few weeks. The control, the command structure for highly classified documents needs to be reformed. That's what everybody is saying. It's been saying it for years. It didn't happen after Chelsea Manning. It didn't happen out of many of the other leaks, including the WikiLeaks. Someone's got to step to the plate and do that. Now, at the top of the show today, we've got Jim Jordan. He's got some big news about Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop, the people who signed that fake letter calling it a disinformation operation, meaning the laptop when it wasn't. He also has some proposals that are going to come out. We're going to break them on the show here about how to protect future presidents from being indicted the way Donald Trump was in New York. Then we're going to turn to Cash Patel, the former chief of staff at the Pentagon. He's going to break down why the breach of these documents are so serious and why it's concerning that maybe a low-level person had access to them. The security community is simply not focused on protecting its own secrets. You're going to hear that from him. Then we're going to finish up with a great conversation with my good friend, Mark Mills. He's at the Manhattan Institute, one of the biggest, brightest thinkers about energy in America. And we're going to talk about that new Joe Biden regulatory regime that's trying to get everyone to buy an electric car, at least two-thirds of Americans buy 2032, less than a decade from now. Most Americans are not thinking that way. There's a collision not only of wills and wants on that, but perhaps also of wallets. Most Americans may not be able to afford the gas, the electricity, the utility bills, or the price of the car. And we're going to talk to Mark about whether we're headed into a reverse Robin Hood phenomenon, taking from 
the everyday working poor and working class and giving it to the oligarchs of the liberal left climate movement. That's a question a lot of people are thinking. We're going to cover that with Mark Mills. So we got a great show. Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. We're going to make some big news at the top of the show. Our good friend Cash Patel, former chief of staff at the Pentagon, he's going to help us make sense of the magnitude of this leak. And then we're going to finish up with none other than Mark Mills from the Manhattan Institute. A great discussion about Joe Biden's regulatory energy agenda and the ultimate collision that's going to occur in American politics between working class Americans who don't want to pay more for energy, cars, gas, and the elitists in Washington who are forcing them in that direction. That's our show. We'll be right back after this message. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. So excited to have this next guest on. Every time we have him on, we learn something about accountability. He's one of the few people in Washington delivering it day in and day out. He is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, great to have you back on, sir. Always good to be on with you, John. Thanks. You are have so many investigations ongoing, but I want to start with the one. Alvin Bragg actually wants to tell America that Congress has no business looking at his pursuit of President Trump. You've got a lot of angles under the law that you're allowed to do. Tell us the latest about what you're learning with Alvin Bragg and his pursuit of Donald Trump, federal funds, federal officials. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, he used federal federal money, federal tax dollars, your tax money to indict a former president for no crime. And then when we want to investigate, when we want to ask questions, he takes us to court and he takes us to court because we want to talk to a guy 
who no longer works there, hasn't worked there for a year, and in that time since he's left, has written a book on this subject alone, solely on this subject. So, um, yeah, there's all kinds of connections to the fact. First, we, we think this is federal election interference in the most interference in the most important election we have, which is election for president of the United States. And then just think about this, John, you know, the FEC, it's all about supposedly this, this campaign uh, benefit he got by this non-disclosure agreement that, that President Trump got. So if he uses campaign funds for it, then the FEC would go after him. But if he doesn't use campaign funds, the local DA goes, he, could, he couldn't win either way. So when you have that kind of conflict in place, of course it's a federal concern. And that's one of the other reasons we want to examine this, not to mention that we think there's, there's you know, legislation that we should bring forward. In fact, we will have one of our colleagues uh, on the committee, I think he's going to introduce uh, this week a bill that says if you have someone, local DA, going to take a former president and a current candidate to uh, going to indict them, then that case automatically gets bumped to federal court, not some local state court. Oh, that's a big deal. That would be a big change. That gives a sort of protection because then the federal rules of discovery, all those things apply, right? You don't have the local gamemanship that we've seen in New York. Exactly right. Exactly right. Wow, that's a big deal. And that'll be coming out this week, right? Yeah. We think, uh, we think it's going to be uh, Congressman Fry from South Carolina who will be the sponsor of that bill. Do you have any inkling that the Justice Department directly assisted Bragg, forwarded evidence, gave suggestions, legal advice, had contacts? Have you been able to find any connection to the Merrick Garland Justice Department? Well, yeah, just what we know. I mean, we also sent a letter this week to Mr. Colangelo, who, who was a guy who worked at the Justice Department. Looks like he was hired uh, you know, totally for, for, uh, by, by the DA in New York to go after President Trump. So there's that connection. And then Margot uh, Cleveland had a great piece in The Federalist where she talked about the, the other connection with the DOJ. It's one of the things we want to find out about is was there, was there really uh, was there coordination between the Biden Justice Department and the New York DA, the Manhattan DA, to go after President Trump? I mean, we're learning that there looks like there was some coordination uh, between the, the White House counsel and the National Archives on this whole uh, classified document issue based on some of the work that Stephen Miller's doing. So was there some kind of coordination here? It, it looks like when you look at the people who moved from DOJ to work for, for Alvin Bragg, there may have been. It's one of the things we want to try to get to the bottom of. Yeah, very important stuff. A lot of collusion that may have been going on, just not on Russia. It was on many other things. <laughs> Speaking of Hunter Biden, for a second, there were 51 national security experts who signed a letter falsely declaring his laptop. You're beginning to interview them. Can you give us some sense about what you've learned about who may have instigated or pushed that disinformation campaign? Yeah, based on what we know so far, and we're going to, I think, uh, we got a few more folks we want to talk to um, in, in these transcribed interviews. And then, uh, then we'll, I think have a have an interim report that comes out. But it was all political. I mean, and, and it seems to me that, that one of the key players here was Mike Morrell, uh, that that he was one kind of coordinating this, working this together. And then there were a few other folks. We have talked to Nick Shapiro. Mr. Shapiro, I think, was the one kind of coordinating the the outreach to the legacy media and how they wanted this this story presented. But it was all done with politics, and it looks like there was some some real connections with the Biden campaign. But we will have a report that comes out that I think outlines all this um, uh, next week. Very interesting. Nick Shapiro, of course, very close to John Brennan. So that puts a, an interesting trail of people. And of course, Morale was the former deputy CIA director. So fascinating to see that. You've been digging deep into the Federal Trade Commission to see what targeting they may have done of Elon Musk just to punish him for opening up Twitter. What are some of the early things you're learning? Well, remember what? here uh elon musk buys twitter and suddenly the ftc sends him 13 letters in three months and the first letter after the first twitter files come out 
the FT says, uh, we, we want to know who the journalists are talking to. We, they named four of them by name. We bring two of those guys in to testify in front of the Judiciary Committee. While they're testifying, uh, the Democrats are asking them you know, who your sources are, trying to get them to reveal sources. And then maybe most importantly, while Matt Taibbi is testifying, the IRS is knocking on his door. I mean, you talk about intimidation and, and, and going after uh, uh, folks and, and, and attacking the First Amendment. So we want to know everything that's going on. Why, why this concerted effort to go after Elon Musk and Twitter once he bought the company? Uh, it, it, this, you, you know, they've talked about the, the left has went after anyone who's uh, uh, speaking out about protecting the First Amendment. And that's certainly where Elon Musk is. So that's why we sent him the letter. We want to know what's going on. Basically, they told us, you know, we're allowed to ask whatever we want. That's why we're now asking, uh, asking for the documents that surround all this, these 13 letters uh, and all the crazy information they've been trying to get from, uh, from Mr. Musk and from Twitter. Really remarkable. Mr. Chairman, I know you're real busy. Thank you for spending time with us today. We learned a lot. Have a good day, sir. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always excited to have this next guest on. He's not only a great friend, he's a great patriot, a great American, and I think one of the smartest security and investigative minds in all of this country. Joining us right now, our good friend, Cash Patel. Cash, great to have you back on. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate you taking the time to have me back on. There's, there's not much going on in the news, so we're probably going to put your audience to Nah, it's quiet, right? <laughs> Just a sleepy <laughs> Easter week, right? Oh, gosh, there's so much going on. Where do we start? I want to start with your old job at the Pentagon. You were chief of staff at the Pentagon. You know how the building works. There is a stunning timeline that is starting to stack up that shows that maybe as into last year, all the way into the spring of this year, there were these very sensitive documents coming out on a social platform and nobody in the Pentagon knew until the Russians decided to throw it in our face and put it on their Telegram account. There seems to be 
a real security breach, not only in the loss of the documents, someone clearly took them and put them up, but the ability to track sensitive documents or for the government even to discover that their documents were being leaked. What's your top line having looked at all of the public disclosures in the last 10 days? It's a horrendous blow to American national security and just a crash course in classified documents. Every classified document leak and disclosure is detrimental to American national security, just like this one. And I don't think this was just an everyday leak. I've been saying for some time this was a kind of like a WikiLeaks, Julian Assange type operation that's been planned for months. And the Biden administration has been asleep at the wheel for months. They say they only knew about it for a few weeks. I think we're going to find out they knew about it for a few months and tried to put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And here's the problem. It's not, are we to believe the breaking news stories from the fake news that some teenager in a chat group orchestrated a leak of super highly classified intelligence compartmented information? What that means is it's so secure, it's so sensitive that only a few people in DOD have access to it, specifically at the Joint, joint Staff Office run by Chairman Milley. And so this this guy, not to knock his career, a low-level, 20-some-year-old who has access on some military base to put this out, no, that's a cover-up. But let's look, at the, let's look at the actual intelligence itself. Here's why I think it's out there and why I think the Biden administration is, continues to lie to the world and say first that, oh, it's fake, and now they're like, oh, we don't know anything. Ukraine. The Biden administration has said for at least a year plus, after spending $110 billion in the Ukraine, that we and the Ukraine are winning the war against Russia. This specific classified disclosure guts that argument. It's the Biden administration's intelligence community that says everything is literally failing in the Ukraine, and it's a stalemate. That's not a win. That's a resounding blow to the Biden administration. It's peculiar that the New York Times and the fake news Washington Post would come out with these stories, though not so shocking. And the White House spokesperson says what when asked about containment? I don't know. What does the Secretary of Defense say when he's asked about the depths of the leak? I don't know. But you know who's stunningly silent on this? Mark Milley. Yeah, you're right. So if you had to guess right now, does this look like maybe someone that had access to Joint Chiefs information? This is specifically someone who has to have access to the highly classified information that only exists in certain channels, specifically in the Joint Chiefs. And the reason I say Joint Chiefs, because if the reporting is correct, it talks about military planning operations and possible U.S. engagement. While the Joint Chiefs of Staff do not have an operational role, that paperwork flows through that office to the Office of the Secretary of Defense as a matter of routine because they are to advise the president and the SecDef on possible troop engagement. So they're in it, knee deep. And I want to know why Milley is being silent, because he's usually the loudest one. He's the wrecking ball in the room, yammering on about how he's protecting America when he's actually debilitated our national defense. And let's see which one of his pals is in on this. And let's see how vigorously this investigation is actually taken by the FBI and DOJ. I don't have much confidence. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right. While this has been going on, I mean, we haven't found the Supreme Court leaker from a year ago, right? So it doesn't seem like anyone, right. who, <laughs> you don't seem to solve any leaks anymore in Washington. 
A lot of people I've talked to in the last couple of days say, listen, there's been so much focus in the Pentagon the last couple of days on proper pronouns to use in a politically correct world and critical race theory and not enough on the bread and butter of the Pentagon, which is security, war fighting, protecting our country. Is there some correlation, some consequence that this leak divulges to us about all the focus on things that don't really matter to war fighting? Yeah, I think this leak is a multi-pronged effort. Like I said, I don't think you've seen the last of it. Just today, we saw another disclosure. To plan something like this is a multi-month campaign. And I don't think think one guy was in on it. This is why I compare it to what Julian Assange did. I think it's going to continue to leak over time until this guy's caught, which is unlikely, but maybe it'll happen. And when we put this type of information out there, you know what also happens? Our allies call us and say, hey, Mossad and Israel are like, why is this information out there? Why don't you have it contained? Why hasn't the Biden administration commented on it and said, we acted immediately? Why did it take them two months? Now we're seeing that it possibly broke in February? What have they been doing? That's the degradation of American policy on the world stage as a result of this leak. But now we have Joe Biden's lies exposed about Ukraine from his own intelligence operation. And look, John, I'll be the first one to say, Yes, I'm cheering for Joe Biden to win on American national security front, but I don't want unlawful leaks to be the justification so we can be proven right. We did it in a methodical way during Russiagate, follow the law. There's disclosure methods that can be put in place when there's government corruption or illegality. And that's what should have happened here if this is the case. So I'm not cheering on this leak. I'm not the guys out there saying, oh, let's exonerate Julian Assange. No, I want this guy prosecuted and everyone involved. But more importantly, I want to know how he got this authorization to have access to this type of information. That is the key question. And it's a great question. That's why we come to you, so we can get those sort of insights that aren't in the media anywhere. There was a report that came out last week on the Afghan withdrawal. Remarkably, though, everything that happened, including the giving away the Bagram Air Base, were things that decided long after President Trump left office. The Biden administration made a insincere effort to try to blame the debacle of August 2021 on the Trump administration. I haven't had a chance to get your reaction to it, but it seemed to most people laughable, the effort they made. But your thoughts on why they were trying to peg a prior administration for things that clearly happened on their watch? It's because they have politicized the national defense apparatus of this nation. It's simply been, what did Donald Trump do? We are going to do the opposite. I was in charge of the transition for DOD, uh, pursuant to the regulations of Chief of Staff. And one of the leading efforts we did running the largest transition in DOD history was, of course, talking about Afghanistan and the intelligence-based withdrawal. It is, unfortunately, no surprise because the individuals and senior leadership positions at DOD incoming in the Biden administration, Austin, Cat Hicks, the Chief of Staff, et cetera, wanted nothing to do with us. But the no-fail mission of the DOD was too important to politicize it. We gave them and their teams access to more individuals than ever before during a transition, more documents classified and unclassified throughout the Pentagon and across the DOD world apparatus than ever before. So for them to say they didn't get it from us is the first lie. The second lie is John Kirby at the White House, who has the gall to go to the podium and say, quote, I just didn't see the chaos, end quote. The Biden administration didn't see the chaos in Afghan civilians plunging to their deaths from our C-17 transport plane. The Biden administration and John Kirby didn't see the chaos 
from the drone striking of the Biden administration of seven Afghan children. And the Biden administration didn't see the chaos from releasing terrorists from Bagram Detention Center who would blow up 13 American soldiers. These people have no moral compass, and they just showed you the lengths they will go to to politicize anything so that they can achieve a fake news headline that would be printed in CNN or New York Times or Washington Post. It is a disgusting show and a tragic mirroring of the lives lost in Afghanistan, not just the 13. And if, if that's their position, that that's, they don't see the chaos in it, then your audience can determine the credibility of those people versus what we offer during the transition. That is a really powerful statement. I think a lot of people had the feeling when they saw this last week, this is insincere. They must think we're stupid in America to think that under prior administration. But I think the way you succinctly knocked it down really, really gets to the heart of what they're ignoring, what they tried to distract the American public from, which is clear failures that they and only they could be held accountable for. Let me turn quickly to the continued pursuit of Donald Trump today. Another civil deposition in New York a couple of weeks after the indictment and arraignment. Your thoughts about what's been going on in New York and where this will end up for the president? Well, it's one after the other, John. If next month we'll be talking about some other district attorney, state attorney general trying to get Donald Trump. This is a civil suit about business fraud. Um, Donald Trump has publicly said he has nothing to hide. We'll see what comes of the deposition today. But look, Letitia James literally ran on the fact, like Alvin Bragg, I'm going to convict Donald Trump of something. The top law enforcement officer in the state of New York couldn't bring any criminal charges. And now she went after him civilly to get the headline to say, I'm still investigating Donald Trump. We're going to prove he's a fraud. They're going to try. They're going to fail. And I think America's sick of it. You know, two years ago, they were like, oh, a lot of middle of the road Americans might have been like, well, we want people to not be above the law. But here's the thing. What they're learning, John, through processes like this is we also want people to abide by the law in government and not create a two-tier system of justice. And that's what's on display here in New York. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Seems to be on display oftentimes in Washington as well. Hunter Biden, we learned so much stuff. And now, you know, it's no longer about Hunter Biden. We got the Hunter Biden story. We know what it is now, the laptop. John, Hunter Biden, who's under federal investigation for receiving money from the CCP illegally to trade favors while his father was vice president and other positions he held. And we have a classified documents leak scandal going on right now. Hunter Biden is flying around on Air Force One with his dad with access to the most sensitive classified documents in the world, not to mention the nuclear football. And no one's saying anything about this. Are you telling me he's not around these documents? And we just saw a report that someone forgot a top secret document out in the open while Joe Biden was on his trip overseas. The media is completely abdicated its responsibility to hold any of these people accountable. And we should remind people the last time he was on a presidential plane that was Air Force Two, because the president was a vice president, he struck a China deal in Beijing. So he hasn't been against using the government plane to facilitate his business and past dealings. I want to take a look at what's been revealed since the last time we talked, because there is far more evidence of just how often Hunter Biden, we did a search a year ago, found all of these meetings in, in the Obama White House for Biden business partners. But you have that wave. You've got the known meetings at the Cafe Milano. You've got the known emails where Hunter Biden's business partner is talking about Joe Biden repaying Hunter for money he owes him by redirecting his Delaware tax form. 
it seems to me now that this has stopped being just a Hunter Biden story. And it is clear now that Joe Biden both was involved and aware of things he claimed he wasn't in the business world because he was meeting with these people, but also at times a beneficiary of what his son was doing. Do you think that's beginning to settle into the American conscious? Even with all the media spin, it seems as though people are starting to get a grasp. Uh, this was really Joe Biden's operation. Yeah, it's another example of two-tier system of justice. Why has DOJ not brought criminal charges when they are so blatantly obvious with the information that's on Hunter Biden's own laptop? It's not a he said, she said. The data's right there. It's available to literally hit play and show the crimes that Hunter Biden is guilty of when it comes to defrauding um, and using the banking system to commit this pay-for-play scheme with the CCP and its affiliates. But I think you pointed out, you know, we were chatting just before, who and why is Merrick Garland preventing from uh, this investigation to come to a prosecution decision? I don't believe for one second he's not in the way. This Biden White House has already lied to us about its involvement in multiple investigations and prosecutions, including Mar-a-Lago. We know they orchestrated with the White House Counsel's Office. Now, my question is, have, who else have they orchestrated with? The U.S. attorney in Delaware? Um, are we to believe that there was no commanding orders given from Merrick Garland on the Hunter Biden case? And we're still talking about it some two years later. All of this shows America, most importantly, what Donald Trump brilliantly said. Though he may be the target now, all of us may be the target next. Because they've shown us, the FBI and DOJ and state attorneys around the country have shown us they don't care about the law and the facts. They care about sidelining us so they can interfere. The irony of it all is they, so they can interfere in the next election cycle. It is a head-scratching moment in history. And I want to go to one last place because you did more than anyone I know. You and Devin Nunes did more than anyone to highlight the abuses that the Patriot Act the powers that the Patriot gave the FBI, how they were abused in targeting the Trump campaign, the Trump administration, people like Carter Page and Donald Trump and others. In the midst of those revelations, Paul Ryan shepherded through in 2017-2018 a renewal of the key powers of the Patriot Act and the FISA powers. They're coming up again in the fall. A lot of lawmakers I'm talking to in the last few weeks say, you know what? This is the time we are going to throw our bodies in front. We are going to make substantive reforms to FISA and particularly to Section 702, which is the phone record snooping capability of the FBI. Your sense of the willingness this time for Republicans to hold on, get something done. By the way, there's some Democrats that agree with them now, so there's some bipartisanship growing. And two, what are the reforms? You know it probably better than anyone, how it was abused. What are the reforms that would most protect you, my, and every other American civil liberties better this time? Look, I think too many people, rightfully so, feel they were burned by the pretextual protections offered by the Patriot and 702 collection, because not because American citizens abused them, but because the FBI and DOJ abused their authority and expanded searches unlawfully to target Americans under 702 authority when that should never have happened, because they decided upon themselves to query people in political targeted operations, which was never the intent. It was the intent of 702 and FISA to track and manhunt terrorists, not your political opponents. So this has ginned up the Congress, lightly so. I've been working with folks on, in Congress on its reforms. Hopefully there's not an overcorrection. Look, I'm the first guy that's going to tell you after exposing the abuses that they're worth abuses and they must stop. 
but you can't not have 702. It's it's critical to manhunting ter- not only terrorists but protecting our nation against a lot of uh, of um, enemies. So I think there needs to be things that we talked about in the RussiaGate report. An ombudsman at the FISA court for sure, a neutral arbitrator, an attorney on the defense side, especially for American citizens. There needs to be a watchdog created over the FBI that's not in the FBI about the query system at 702. And there needs to be separate authorizations granted, especially when it comes to American citizens. Those are just a few things that this Congress is going to have to muddle through. I think the biggest obstacle, though, is many in Congress are going to say, no, we don't want it at all. And I think that's problematic, and I know that's not the popular position because maybe I'm too naive and still think this government can be saved, but not with this FBI and DOJ leadership. So it may take that charge, um, that explosion, to say, nope, it's gone, and then come back to the drawing board and then force DOJ and FBI but it's going to take a lot of congressional oversight to get it done. I mean, these people are out of control. Chris Ray, Merrick Garland have absolutely lied to the world and allowed these abuses to occur, have destroyed whistleblower protections, have targeted people based on political orientation and have created a two tier system of justice in 2023 America. We are not in a position to lecture any country on its judicial system currently. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Cash, it's always an honor to have you on. We can always cover so much ground in a short period of time, and all of it makes sense when we're done. What a great honor to have you on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, John. Always great to be with you. Have a great day. Thanks, my friend. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As we've been talking about, we've done a lot of specials on this last few months. The Biden administration is transforming and manipulating the energy markets in a way no prior president has ever done and no prior Congress has ever seen. The push to get to electric cars and to get off fossil fuels has accelerated in both cost and in regulatory fury. And as that happens, the price of everyday goods for Americans is going up. Gasoline, cars, if electric cars, way more expensive. And of course, other items. And of course, if they get rid of gas stoves and other things, you'll all have fewer options in your kitchen, on your back deck, and of course, in your basement. I thought with that big a dynamic going on, we'd bring on one of the best experts we know on energy policy. He's Mark Mills, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, and he returns to the show. Mark, great to have you back on. 
Great to be back on. Thanks for having me, John. Looking forward to it. It is an amazing moment in history to just step back. The Biden administration talks about this being an energy transition, but it feels more like an energy bowl over. Tell us, you know, particularly this week with the effort to go from four to five percent electric vehicles, which is the current market share, to 67 percent in a decade. Is that even achievable? Oh, I think the short answer is no, it's not achievable. The mandates are achievable. Governments can do a lot of things in terms of uh, telling people what they can and can't buy. We'll find out. I mean, I expect we'll see some lawsuits. I don't know how that will roll out. The automakers are kind of between a rock and a hard place, having bought into the narrative and not being told it's not a it's not a goal. It's a requirement. So it'll be interesting as a practical matter. The expectation that the vast majority of vehicles will in the next you know half dozen years to dozen, 10 years be majority EVs is not achievable in the manufacturing, mining and infrastructure sense. It's just not going to happen. Um, you could change the, the denominator, if you know what I mean. In other words, if you if you ban internal combustion engines and used cars become super expensive, then well, far fewer new cars to be sold. If you cut in half the number of car sales, then those that are being sold to the wealthier will comprise a majority, and you'll get you know you know Shazam. You'll you can create a majority from a much smaller number. Yeah. There are a lot of people who see the cart before the horse here. Maybe one day electric vehicles will make sense and people will be happy with them. The grid isn't ready. The battery supply system isn't ready. The recycling system for used batteries isn't ready. It seems as though we've mandated something before the processes, procedures, and utilities are ready for that. What's the timeline? Realistically, when do we have enough rare earth metals to do the batteries and have enough recycling capability to protect the batteries from harming the environment and have enough grid capacity? so that when 67% of drivers plug in their car, we don't go dark at night? <laughs> well, it's not certainly not 10 years. I mean, we're talking decades to get there. Uh, but let's be clear. I mean, there's no question that the uh, there are electric vehicles have high utility value. You know, the utility function of the change in the model, having a battery instead of a fuel tank, has value for lots of people. And there are lots of wealthy car buyers in America in particular. We have a country where... The majority of homes have two cars, and lots of homes have three cars. So we have a wealthy population willing and able to buy an electric vehicle as one of their several cars. And that will continue without mandates because that has utility function, a commuter car, a fun car, whatever, whatever you know, you feel good about it. You're, you're a Tesla buyer, you feel morally good about it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the idea that you can mandate all vehicles should, by default or you know, de facto, the EVs is premature by decades, not not just a few years, both for the reasons you state, infrastructure to charge them and fuel them. You, you need to nearly, nearly double the size of the infrastructure of the grid. You have to increase by 50 to 80% the amount of energy the grid actually uses. You need to uh, create a supply chain for the manufacturing somewhere for the minerals, and it's not going to be here because of you know environmental regulations. And this says nothing about the actual costs, and it says nothing about the uh, geopolitical strains and realignments it creates. And of course, as most people now know, somewhere on the order of three quarters of the refined minerals used to make batteries, electric cars, windmills, and solar turbines, those refining activities take place in China. Yeah, yeah, that is a big thing. And that is a national security issue because China has so swept up all of the rare earths in this world so quickly that we find ourselves on the short end of that, right? 
it's not just rare earths. So rare earths aren't rare. They have rare properties. This is some of deodymium and presidiums, all these fancy named elements. They, they dominate the refining of common materials like copper and nickel and production of aluminum. They are an utter dominant player in all the essential metals. So many of us have been talking about the rare earths where they have complete dominance, like 90 plus percent market share. They have market dominance in all of the refined minerals and metals that are needed for society in general, but especially for the so-called, uh, you know, energy transition. So this is a this is a, a a dominance that was planned, not secret, over the last 20 years and announced. It was, I mean, I've been writing about it for a long time. There was no mystery to this. You can't reverse that overnight. Uh, we we will have to have the desire and appetite to open mines and metal refineries here that are impossible now, essentially, because of environmental regulations and hostility towards those industries. China embraced them. We drove them out of the country, and we got to where we are, and now we're going to mandate building vehicles that require shifting from liquids and gases that are produced in America to solids and chemicals that are produced in China. It's a pretty bad trade, in my view. It doesn't really necessarily upgrade the environment the way we're being sold on it right now, does it? And I think that's one of the great illusions here. Perhaps the most consequential thing of this move, impact from the Biden administration is, particularly with the cart before the horses, gas is more expensive. Future cars are going to be way more expensive. Electric vehicles, thousands of dollars more expensive, if not 10,000 more dollars expensive. You've got electricity, utility rates. You look at California and Connecticut, two states that are sort of ahead of where Joe Biden wants the country to go. They not only have brownouts, they're growing by 10, 20, 30% a year in utility costs, which means people's electric bills are going through the roof. The little guy gets crushed, it seems like, in the next 10 years. Meanwhile, a lot of the wealthy investors who are invested in renewables and energy cars, unions, a lot of the base of the Democrats Party donors, they seem to do very well with all the handouts that are coming out of the infrastructure bill, the clean energy bill. Is this a Robin Hood in reverse? Yeah, it feels like it to me. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a in any in any environment where it's more of a kleptocracy than a dem- capitalist democracy, then you know the winners are uh, the minority who happen to be favored. And you know, every economy and every market has winners and losers, but this is one where the government is putting its to say it's putting a thumb on the scale is an understatement. It's put the whole weight of the body of government on the scale. I mean, pre- President has said it's all going to be an all-of-government effort to do this, and he's made good on his quote-unquote promise. The problem is, to your point, the average person, not you know the the non the non-wealthy, but the average person, will pay more not just for an electric car if that's what they're required to buy. They'll pay more for the used cars because you won't be able to buy an electric car. So used car prices will go up. They'll pay more for gasoline to drive it because of the hostility towards drilling. They'll pay more for electricity uh, uh, for exactly the same re- the reasons you've outlined. So all the trajectories push this towards higher costs for everybody. The wealthy can afford higher costs for all these things. The average person cannot. At some point, I expect they'll be pushed back. Um, it, may, it may not come from people making forecasts that these costs will come, maybe we're going to have to just suffer through them actually happening, which seems like the track we're on. 
the moves of the last six months feel very personal, people. When people hear you're not going to have a gas stove someday. Oh, wait, you're in my kitchen. What's government doing in my kitchen? You might not have a gas furnace, a gas water heater. Might not have a gas grill in a few years. People feel very personal that the government is starting to get into their personal space. What sort of potential political movement might that be able to create? For instance, the U.S. Oil and Natural Gas Association started up a effort called Hands Off My Stove and like thousands of people are joining. It seems as though there is a really significant personal nature to this that could really organize grassroots resistance. Well, I, I hope so. It feels like it may happen. We're seeing some indication if the early, if the early results, you know, Germany is further down this path uh, than the United States in terms of uh, mandates, requirements for in the green transition. And some very recent polls have come out there showing a uh, a overwhelming majority of the population don't like it. They don't like what's going to happen. They're objecting to it. The city of Berlin just had a, a referendum on accelerating that city's green agenda, soundly rejected by something like 75% of the, the population. I mean, if the Germans have given up on it, eventually, I think Americans will too. But it, it is, um, look, here's the, the truth that no one is dealing with. Uh, if it's the case, the government wants to order and people want to find middle ground and saying we should burn less oil and, and gasoline to emit less. There's, you know, this is not a middle ground that, that I'm in, but let's assume for political compromise and compromise is a good thing that we want to pursue that. Then why not give comparable incentives to people to buy a more efficient internal combustion engine for the car they prefer to buy? I mean, on a you know equal basis for the same amount of of uh, emission safety, if you like. There are no proposals like that at all in play. And if they were, it would radically reduce the cost of conventional vehicles, get you more emissions reductions and lower fuel use far faster. But that that's not in play because that doesn't benefit the ecosystem that are pushing this agenda that you have to all switch to uh, battery powered cars. Just amazing. It's an extraordinary time in our history. As you look out over the next six months, for the first time, Republicans, I think, have put a credible carbon reduction plan on the table. The bill that Kevin McCarthy shepherded through the House brings down emissions, but also does it in a way that costs don't rise and the cart doesn't get put before the horse. Are Republicans beginning to get in the game, embracing nuclear energy, embracing natural gas, maybe moving away from other higher carbon sources. Are they getting in with a credible alternative that might be more favorable to the everyday American's wallet? Well, you know, don't count me in the camp that's eager to go down that path. I'm afraid I need to, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of whether and how much we are, need to try to reduce CO2 emissions. I'll, I'll stipulate again, if that's the goal, if people are honest about it, they, and we're willing to spend our money, our taxpayers' money to achieve that, if that's, that's the premise, the single most effective thing we could do would be to subsidize the export of U.S. natural gas as LNG to countries that are now burning lots of coal and basically put our natural gas on equal price footings with their coal. That would benefit us. That would benefit the, quote, planet, because CO2 emissions don't matter where they happen. Meantime, what we're doing is promoting the increased use of Chinese energy minerals, which are produced on a grid that's two-thirds coal-fired. So when you buy an EV, what you've done is you've caused coal emissions to take place in China. You, whether you know it or not, that's in fact what's happened. This is, ba this is backwards. So Republicans need to be on board with solutions that benefit American uh, taxpayers, employees, consumers. And if we want to you know, join in that, that goal, that's how we should marry it. And I don't hear any concrete proposals like that yet. Uh, 
if we're going to go that route, that's the one I would vote for. And where does nuclear fit in this? Because nuclear obviously has a zero emission capability. We have plentiful supply. It got a bad rap after the Japanese accident. Of course, Three Mile Island still on some people's minds, though that was 40, 50 years ago. Nuclear seems like it could be not only a great reducer of carbon emissions, but a great load enhancer on a grid that seems to be lacking load right now. Well, there's no question that nuclear energy is the only phenomenology that's revolutionary for changing our environmental footprint on the planet. It's a massive reduction in materials required, emissions of all kinds, and footprint used on, on land itself. It's a tremendously pro- and profoundly better way of producing electricity. It's a challenge right now to get there quickly, and we don't have consensus either with Democrats, Republicans, or environmentalists. And, and, and the rest of the population, the environmental community is clearly split, not down the middle. It's just a fraction that support it. I think most would still oppose it and have said as much. But it is the single most important phenomenology for the future of uh, energy production. And there are dozens, not a few, but dozens of new designs that are in the pipeline, probably all of which will work and many of which will be commercially viable. So not only do you get uh, lower emissions of all kinds, but what's critical about a nuclear plant is you get a lot of geopolitical security, not just security of electric supply. It's a baseload source of energy running all the time. But you don't, you know, as you probably know, you don't fuel nuclear plants very often. You could stockpile a fuel for, for years or decades at a time. So you take a lot of geopolitical risk out of the long-run operation of an energy system when you go nuclear. It is, it is the path we need to go if we're looking for in, quote, solutions to the problem that we put on the table. And it seems as though whether carbon emissions are a problem or not scientifically, the next two generations of Americans have come out of school being told, absolutely, it's the existential problem. So the political expectation for Republicans and Democrats alike is going to be, you got to do something to reduce carbon emissions. It may actually not. So these are the sort of, I guess, the options that that await us. How does nuclear shed the bad rap? Oh, it's for terrorists and it's Three Mile Island and it's the Japanese accident. These things are actually by capacity and operation much safer than any other sort of form of electric generation, aren't they? Well, it's no question. They were profoundly safe forms of electricity generation. I won't date myself, but I'll say it anyway. I was I was at the accident at Three Mile Island and spent the next a half dozen years of my life defending the virtues of nuclear energy, obviously unsuccessfully, because we we abandoned it some years later. Look, the the there is no uh, energy system. In fact, there is no industrial system you can name that has had a, uh, can destroy a multi-billion-dollar power plant. Three Mile Island was in today's dollars worth a couple billion dollars. They destroyed the power plant. Did not kill or injure a single worker or human being or member of the public. There are no there are no industrial accidents of that scale in terms of dollar terms you could name that can have such a small impact. And of course, you know Chernobyl, which is a power plant, was was a, a Russian design that no one in the West would build or builds. Was an inherently unsafe design. Fukushima, sadly, that uh, accident led to members of the public being killed in the evacuation. Members of the public were not. Uh, injured or harmed by the accident itself, uh, you know, some workers were because you know it's it's an industrial accident. So we have this giant mythology built around nuclear energy, which has taken a very very long time to tamp down, and it's not gone. I mean, people people worry worry about it, and I respect people's concerns. But to your point, if you look at it on a um, holistic basis of where where is the safest place we can do industrial scale energy production. Nothing comes to as close to as, as the profoundly 
uh, low impact on the environment and profoundly safe. I mean, nuclear energy is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It is. And with the advances in technology, the much smaller footprints, the much higher yield, lower need for uranium, the future looks, you know, almost certain that that would be a great thing. And yet no one seems to have the courage to poke their head up at this moment and say, well, well let's just not embrace this. What's, why not do this? Do you think there's a moment soon where a someone, a figure that has appeal in the middle says, listen, whether I believe carbon emissions or not, the country's there, so I'm going to do it and nuclear is a way. Is there a grand deal to be made on this? I think there is, because I think you can agree to disagree about the urgency of uh, reducing carbon dioxide emissions, and but, but find common ground that for those who think it's urgent and those who don't think it's urgent, the common ground is the profound environmental, economic, and geopolitical benefits and the operational benefits for grids because of nuclear power plants are a good enough case to be made on the common ground. And you're absolutely right about the scale. We, not, we can now think about nuclear power plants and aren't just these behemoths that can run a half a city, which remain important and critical and incredibly economic. We found that out in California. They had to keep theirs open and they couldn't afford to close it down, actually. Exactly. But smaller reactors that can run, you know, uh, not just small towns or small small cities, but can run chemical refiners, run data centers. I mean, nuclear power plants have the scale where you can imagine that they're buried below the ground, they have inherent safety, don't require fueling, but every few years and run 24-7 uh, are just a, an exciting uh, change in the sort of the pantheon of things that are possible with producing electricity. I think they're coming. I think there will be uh, a common ground on this because it is one that you can get I think uh, the majority of both sides on the urgency, if you like, of the question of CO2. You just need you just need more electricity. The world's going to need a lot more, and this is a terrific way to produce it. Yep. The demand is only going to continue to go up, so that means supply has to soon follow. One last question about short-term politics in Congress. The Republicans have their own bill. It clearly would have a profound effect reversing some of the sillier things in the Biden administration's plans, but also implementing things that make some sense. A lot of it's not going to get through this Senate this year. But one area where there seems to be even people like John Podesta crying uncle all of a sudden is on permitting reform. Is that some surprise deal that might come out of this Congress this year? <laughs> you want to call me cynical, but uh, I would I would hope so, because uh, whether you want to have uh, more gas pipes to export natural gas to Europe to help them de-link from Russia or more gas to Pakistan and India to help them de-link from coal, or you want to have permitting reform to build wind farms and solar arrays or, God willing, build uh, more copper mines and nickel mines in America and refineries. All that requires, you know, to build electric cars. All that requires permitting reform, aggressive permitting reform. So the, the grand compromise is not to permit reforms just for windmills, but which is what I'm afraid will happen, but the, but the per, per, permitting reforms in, permissions reforms, if you like, across the board in our industrial infrastructure. The reason we lost a lot of manufacturing in our industrial sector is not because the other, other countries were necessarily inherently cheaper or better. It's because we use regulations to drive our businesses out of the country. Those reforms are essential. So well put. Mark, it is always an honor to talk to you. Energy policy is such an important policy. It doesn't get talked nearly enough in the news media, but it drives national security, economic security, of course, energy security. It is always an honor to have you on because you crystallize it, you make it understandable, and you make it sound common sense, which is what we need. What a great honor to have you on today. 
Great to join you, John. Thanks for the pleasure of joining you. Ah, so it was a lot of fun, my friend. We'll do it again soon. All right, folks, so glad you can join us. A big thank you to all three of our guests. Jim Jordan made some serious news there today, both about the legislation that's about to be unveiled and, of course, the 51 people came to sign that letter falsely declaring Hunter Biden's laptop as a disinformation operation when it wasn't true. Now, before we go, I want to do a quick shout out to my good friends at Brickhouse and Field of Greens. They have a product at Brickhouse that I've been using. I've lost some weight. I've got some energy. I feel like I've got some mojo back. When you're as busy as you and I are, it's hard to eat healthy. When you're traveling, you're taking care of the kids, you know, you got the daily hustle. Sometimes I'm out at the cabin and I just want to have a cheeseburger when I probably shouldn't. And that means I don't get the daily recommended amount of vegetables and fruit that I should be getting. But I found a way around that I take Field of Greens. It's whole organic fruit and vegetable. It's not watered down, not a watered down supplement at all. It's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like my heart, my lungs, my kidneys. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. I've seen some of that since I've gotten involved with Field of Greens and started using it. So let me get you started with a 15% discount. That's a great deal, right? Visit fieldsofgreen.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS like me. You're going to probably look and feel healthier pretty fast and have a lot more energy. That's one of the things I've, I've always been an energizer bunny, but not like this. Field of Greens has really turned my motor up a little bit and I, I'm really feeling it. And it's good because it gives me more motivation to exercise, more motivation to stay up and do things with the family. That's a great thing. Now, your best proof will be when you go to your next doctor's appointment and your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working. Don't stop. Keep it up. Well, get started on the path and get 15% off along the way. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for joining. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of this great podcast. Good night. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.